Exodus 2, 23 through 25. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Awesome. I invite you guys to pray with me. God, we thank you so much for this time together, Lord, and as we go through the first five books of uh, the Old Testament, Lord, help us to be reminded of your provision throughout all of it, Lord, um, and not only in the Old Testament, not only in the New Testament, but, but on this side of the resurrection as well. Father, would you open our eyes to hear your word, or to see your word uh, active in our lives, and open our ears to hear your word as we continue to, to listen to your calling in our life. Father, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said... Amen. So we are starting, or we are continuing on in our sermon series called the Torah, which is the first five books of the Old Testament. So we have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The past two weeks, uh, Pastor Josh has gone through the book of Genesis. So we started off 1 through 11, going through all the way up until the Tower of Babel, and then continued on with the story of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And this is a lot of ground to really cover, right? And so what we're going to do is we're going to split, we're going to do like a mini-series within this series through the Exodus. So we're going to do two weeks. So you're stuck with me this week and also next week on 4th of July uh, for the Exodus, which I'm super excited about because it's filled with so many different stories, so many things you probably heard maybe growing up if you grew up in church or in Sunday school, or maybe things that you guys have been reading. And, and sometimes it's, it's easy for us to kind of get caught up in these like nice stories for, ki- for kids' messages and things, but, but these are real-life stories. These are things that happened in real life. And uh, as you guys have all known and experienced, that real life doesn't always have happy endings at the end, right? And so we're going to kind of go through the story of the Exodus uh, today and then also next week as well. Um, But to kind of cover some of the stuff that we talked about the past two weeks, uh, we went from talking about Genesis to to God creating the heavens and the earth, right? That's what it says in the very beginning of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we have this huge cosmic creation. So think of it like an upside down pyramid, if you're thinking of like like a Y shape, where God is over all things, creating all things. And throughout the story of Genesis, what happens is it starts to funnel down and focus in on one specific family. The story continues to follow throughout uh, Adam and Eve, or, or the story of Noah, Abraham, Jacob, uh, Joseph, and it continues on throughout that. So, so there's a focus point for the author saying, I, I want you to follow this family line and see what God is doing in the midst of this specific family for, for the entire world as a whole, right? And then we get into the end of Genesis, where, where the people of God, the Israelites, uh, who are just 70 uh, people, They end up leaving their home and going to Egypt because there's a worldwide famine that happens. And Joseph invites the the family to his other brothers who mistreated him, uh, uh, completely ignored him, didn't want anything to do with him. He invited them to come to Egypt so that they can be cared for and fed. And so now the end of Genesis is the people are in Egypt. Well, the story of Exodus continues to go on because it's 400 years later after Genesis. But, But the reality is that the story is not over yet right? The people are still in Egypt, and the story of Exodus is a story about what happens in Egypt as a whole. So the word Exodus literally means exit. So if you look at like these signs, whenever there, God forbid, there's ever like a fire or anything, you, you would exit out, right? That's an Exodus, right? So an Exodus or an exile is going from one place, 
leaving that place and then going to another place. Pretty simple, right? And this isn't the first time that we've seen this pattern of exile or ex- exodus, exodi, exoduses uh, throughout Scripture as well. We see this in the story of Abraham where God calls Abraham. He's like, I want you to go to this place that I'm not even going to tell you where, where you're going, right? So he has to exile from the place. Or if you go to Adam and Eve, right, after they ate of the fruit that the serpent deceived them from, they had to exile out from the garden. God kicked them out of the garden and they had to go elsewhere. Or we see the story of uh, Jacob and his 12 sons having to leave the place where they were at to exile from their home and go to Egypt. So this isn't the first time that we see this kind of theme of exile and exodus happening in scripture, but this is like the big exodus. This is like the main kind of story of the exodus. So I I figured the best way to share uh, in this story is to tell it through emojis. Anybody use emojis when you guys text? Uh, some of you guys are like, no, not really. Uh, I feel like these are like really easy pictures for us to kind of depict uh, some of the, the story of the story of Exodus. So first one up, uh, this is actually my favorite one. So God is faithful to uh, the descendants of Abraham. So 400 years after Genesis, uh, God is faithful to the people of Israel because they are immigrants living in Egypt during this time. And they are just multiplying like rabbits, right? It's kind of like the 930 service with all the kids running around, right? Uh, they are just continuing to grow and to grow. And uh, yeah, anyways. um, So the Pharaoh at the time, who's king over Egypt, he is totally upset. He is mad at the fact that the Israelites are growing and multiplying and God is blessing them and they're having children and all these different things. And he thinks to himself, what happens when they outgrow all the other Egyptians? What happens when there's more of them than than us? They're going to take over. They're going to overthrow Egypt and they're going to end up killing me. So, so out of his fear for God's faithfulness, what he does is he sets a decree in order to enslave all the Israelites to start working for all the Egyptians. And even more so, he's driven by so much fear that he sets up a systemic genocide. He says all the firstborn male babies have to be thrown into the river to be drowned and to die. I, I mean, how fearful do you have to be to end up wanting to kill babies and justify that in order to keep your people safe. It's a terrible thing. And so so all these terrible things are happening. And then, again, as we get into the story, again, we see this kind of upside-down pyramid where the story focuses in on one family. And there's this woman who ends up having a baby, and it's a boy, and she's so scared that it's a boy that they're going to end up killing this baby. So what she does instead, instead of drowning this boy inside of this river, he, 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 she places him inside of this basket and then puts him on the river and, the, and sends him off. And it just so happens that Pharaoh's daughter is by the river, sees this cute little baby in a basket. Everybody go, aw. Picks up the baby, draws him out from the water, and gives him the name Moses, which Moses literally means to be drawn from the water. And so Moses starts growing up, right? And he's underneath Pharaoh's rule, but he recognizes that he is an Israelite. And he sees all of the hurt and the pain that his brothers and sisters are going through, right? Experiencing death from babies, being enslaved and being treated poorly. And it eventually comes to a time when when God is going to do something about it and chooses Moses. And so Moses gets to meet God through a burning bush, And this is where God starts sharing his heart for the Israelites. And we'll get to that later. And it was the reading that we read or we saw earlier. But this is also the first time that we get to hear what God's name is. And God says, my name is, is Yahweh. 
which means I am who I am. A, a name that is never changing, a, a God that is consistent throughout all of Scripture, through His promises, through His actions, through His emotions, through His interactions with His people. And so Yahweh Himself says, I, I want you to go to Pharaoh. And I want you to say these words. You guys remember the words? Let my Oh, you guys are so great. Yes, let my people go. I want you to go and let tell Pharaoh, let my people go. But but listen, Pharaoh's not going to listen to you. He he is so hard hard in heart that he's going to completely deny this and say no, you can't go. Right? And so what happens? Uh Pharaoh says no, right? And so God is going to display his power and saying, because Pharaoh keeps saying no, I'm going to display my power by sending out all these different plagues on your people so that you understand that you need to let my people go. So things like uh, water has turned into blood, uh, which the blood is displayed somewhere else on that screen. But over again, Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And over again, he says, no. His heart is hardened again. So he starts sending things like, like frogs. Frogs start coming all over the place, right? And again, Pharaoh continues to say no. And then more plagues start happening, right? Things like uh, flies or locusts or gnats or uh, boils on skin, which is abs- that's just terrifying and probably very miserable. But over and over again, ten times, Pharaoh continues to say no, right? And then it finally gets to the tenth plague, Right? It's, the, it's the pause in the story where, where the Scripture literally pauses and it says, this is the time when the Israelites would celebrate this time because this is the moment where Pharaoh finally lets their people go. Right? And you guys know of it, right? We call it the Passover. But it, what's really cool is what Yahweh does is that he does the reversal of what Pharaoh does uh, on the people of Egypt. So, so in the beginning, we talked about how Pharaoh was so stricken with fear that he ended up trying to kill uh, all the babies, all the firstborn males inside of Egypt for the, to the Israelites. Well, what God does is he says, all of the, the angel of death is going to come over all of Egypt and wipe out all the firstborn males of the Egyptians. And for the Israelites, what needs to happen is you need to kill a lamb and place the blood over the doorpost of your house. That way, as the angel of death comes over, it passes over your home and your child is spared, right? Which is why they celebrate the Passover. And so finally, Pharaoh's at the point where he says, go, I want you to leave. And so they head out and they are wandering in the wilderness and they're headed towards the wilderness. But, but Pharaoh's not done yet. Pharaoh is so uh, filled with fear and anger and his heart is hardened and he chases after the Israelites and God continues to provide for the Israelites that as they go through this Red Sea, the waters separate as they walk through. But as Pharaoh continues to pursue after them with him and his army, the waters come in and collapse in on them. And that's the story of Pharaoh's tragic death, right? But what's really important for us to think about, because there's a lot of stories and a lot of reality that happens in this story, right? It's not, it's not a Disney movie, right? It's not a movie that always has a happy ending to it. it there's a lot of tragedy that happens in this story, especially with a lot of death. But what's really cool is I want us to go back to the reading that we read earlier from chapter 2 because we see God's heart over all of this. It says this in Exodus chapter 2, 23 to 25. It says, During those many days the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned 
because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel. And God knew. God hears. God remembers. God sees. And God knows. In the midst of their struggling, as they cry out for help, I want you to hear that again. God hears. God remembers. God sees. And God knows. We don't have a God that, that places us on earth and then goes off to vacation. We don't also have a God that's always happy all of the time. If we had a God that was happy all the time and thought everything was rainbow and sunshine, then we would have an unauthentic God. But instead, in the midst of pain and groaning and suffering, God hears. God remembers. He remembers his promises from over 400 years ago that he made to people. God sees the pain, and, and God knows it. And what's amazing about this story is that Yahweh himself responds by enacting a plan to save his people through one person, which is Moses. And again, we see this pattern happening over and over again in Scripture. Think of the story of Noah where he calls Noah to be able to build an ark because he's going to wipe out all evil from existence. Think of the story of Abraham where he calls Abraham specifically and he says, I, I want you to be a father of a multitude of nations from all tribes, languages, skin colors, cultures, wherever it is, you are going to be a father of them because I'm going to be father over you. Think of the story of Joseph where he calls Joseph to care for the people of Egypt during this time of famine and brings his own family in to care for them and provide for them. And ultimately, this pattern is seen played out in the person of Jesus, where Jesus himself is literally the Passover lamb whose blood was shed on a wooden cross so that when the angel of death comes over us, it passes over us as we experience eternal life with him. And over and over again, God continues to partner with his creation in order to save his creation. And what we see in the story of Exodus, in this first half, we see him interacting a lot with Moses. But next week, as we get into it, we see God interacting with the people of Israel as well. Now, now there's one part to the story that I didn't share with you. Um, this is part of Exodus 1 through 18. So if you guys have a chance this week, it's three chapters a day that'll get you guys caught up to the story of Exodus. I want you guys to read it. It's really great. A lot of great stories in there. A lot of details that I probably missed out on too that I want you guys to be able to catch up on. But what's really cool is that towards the end, I guess not really cool, but this story doesn't always have a happy ending, right? We realize that because we live real life too. That as the people of Israel were going out of the wilderness, they literally start complaining. They start groaning because they have no provisions. And so God provides for them things like bread and water. But over and over again, they 
continue to complain about the situation that they're in as they forgot about all the things that happened in Egypt, the killing of their own family members, the, the poor treatment that the Egyptians had on them, that they say something like this. They, they're like, it would be better if I was back in Egypt as a slave because at least I got fed good food there. I mean, can you imagine that kind of mindset after God had done a miraculous rescue? And the Bible Project has a really good resource on the book of Exodus if you ever look it up on YouTube. But it begs this question. It begs the question of, will Israel, the people of Israel, will their hearts be as hardened as Pharaoh's? Will the people of Israel's heart be as hardened as Pharaoh's? And we'll get to see some of that response next week. But I want us to think about that question. Will Israel's heart be as hardened as Pharaoh's? Because if so, then, then what about us? What about us when, when God continues to show up in and out of our day or throughout our week or throughout our lifetime and we find ourselves in a moment where we forget about all the things that happened in the past that God showed up for and cared for us for and walked us through and we start complaining or we start groaning or we start asking questions like why? And here's the beauty of, of this story is that this story is not over yet that each and, one, each and every one of your stories are not over yet. Because the reality is the same thing that the, the Israelites had the reality is too. That God hears, God remembers, God sees, and God knows. That just as God showed up for the Israelites and cared for them and provided for them, no matter how many times we complain and groan and go through our suffering, God hears us, God remembers us, God sees us, and God knows us. Through whatever struggles, through whatever pain we go through on a regular basis, God continues to show up for us. Will Israel's heart be as hardened as Pharaoh's? What about us? We're going to pray, and then I'm going to have Tanner come up as we uh, transition the kids back into worship together, but I invite you guys to pray with me as we go into a time of confession. Father, so many times when we read stories, we always hope for the best things to to come out from it. And oftentimes what happens is when we don't see things going our way, we tend to step in the middle of the story and try to redirect it that we try to erase the lines that you've put in it and try to be the narrator. But God, would you soften our hearts? Would you remind us of the love that gave to us through Jesus? That whenever we groan and complain and we suffer and we cry out to you, no matter what circumstances we're in, God, you hear us. God, you remember your promises. You see us and you know us. Father, I pray that as we go into a time of confession and just think about the things that we've done, that you would remind us of that love that was shed for us on Calvary. And we take a moment of silence now. Jesus, you are the Passover lamb 
that shed his blood for us on the cross, that we experience forgiveness through your name as you continue to show your love and show up for us as you continue to hear, remember, see, and know us very intimately. Father, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.